Loud and Clear, the podcast by Sada for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. Ted Ross, welcome to Cloud and Clear. Thanks for agreeing to do this. And by some measure, I mean, this is definitely the first time that I'm traveling to do one of these things and that we're videoing. So I'm, I'm really excited to get all this great content for our audience. Thank you, my pleasure. Very few people that I would feel as comfortable with asking the types of questions I'm gonna to ask today. <laughs> Just kidding, don't get, don't get nervous. Yes, it's an expose. <laughs> it's an expose. <laughs> City of LA, CIO, very big role, very big job, and to some extent, um, a public one. Mm -hmm. And I think running an enterprise, um, of this size in any sector is challenging, but I think there's some really unique things that the audience will be excited to hear about that are not just um, enterprise challenges or enterprise uh, objectives or enterprise missions, but um, that are specific to state and local government and certainly the second largest city in the country. So thank you for doing this. My pleasure. You and I have known each other for a long time. I think we've spent a lot of time talking about the city and the city of LA and everything you guys are doing with technology and Google. But what I really love to hear, even as sort of an audience of one, maybe for the first time, is this going back in time and framing kind of how you got here, what led you to take on this job and, and role. You've been doing this for several years now. Yeah. But um, what's the history before city of LA? That's a, a really good question. And it's one of those broad ones someone says, hey, what, what does it mean to be Ted Ross or where did Ted Ross come from? Yes. Um, origin story. Origin story. That's right. Every good superhero or superheroine <laughs> has an origin story. Uh, probably for me, you know, my mom and dad met. My dad came over from Chicago. My mom and dad met here in Los Angeles in the 1960s. Um, my dad was older. My dad served in World War II. And wow. my dad was an aerospace engineer. He worked for Aerospace Corporation for over 25 years. And so growing up, I was raised around a lot of tech. And so we had very early PCs. I look super young, but we had, you know, uh, Timex and Clear T1000. Wow. We had Commodore VIC-20. We had Apple II Plus, Apple IIc, Apple IIe. And I remember how awesome it was to have an IBM XT and, yeah. and, and to get an IBM compatible, because we couldn't afford IBM, but to get mm -hmm. an IBM compatible that had a 20 megabyte hard drive and how awesome that was mm -hmm. with our black and white VGA monitor. Mm -hmm. um, so I was raised around tech and I have two brothers, two older brothers, and you know, they, in the family it was always, let's all get into engineering kind of right. concept. And the two brothers immediately went into IT, into software engineering and, and motion picture special effects, et cetera. But I was a person who says, you know what, I'm gonna be different. I love business, I love business management, I'm gonna go into accounting. And so I got my undergraduate degree in accounting. Um, almost immediately ended up in IT systems, SAP systems, <laughs> right. et cetera. And, then, and shortly after 9-11, I really felt the call to go work in government. And mm -hmm. so I ended up with my SAP background, going to work over at, at LAX, at Los Angeles World Airports, and working very closely in their SAP systems there. Uh, to then end up coming downtown to implement ERP downtown, and then we had, you know, what most would say was a failing IT organization, mm. and I seemed to be attracted. I seemed to run to the fire, um, and so I went and I joined the IT organization six, seven years ago, um, back when there was they were losing all their management, and there was yep. a lot of discussion on outsourcing, and so yep. that's how I ended up here. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. I think a lot of the the leaders in technology that can I think blend the 
the business, uh, understanding of business, the people skills, the leadership skills, high EQ with the engineering DNA. Yes. I think that's a, a compelling converse, uh, combination. I think it's fundamental. And when I look at my organization, I've got over 450 IT professionals. Mm -hmm. And it's broad because, mm -hmm. yes, we have network. Yes, we have data center. Yes, we have G Suite. We have all these traditional IT. But we also have things like a TV station. Mm -hmm. We have a call center. We have public safety radio and microwave. So it's a very broad set of professionals. But the reality is in my organization, we really need our IT professionals to be technical. Yes. Right? But someone like myself, I have to be a salesman. I have to sell our elected officials on the job we're doing. I have to be able to rally for more budget. I need to be able to provide business management. I need to take what I've learned in my MBA and in other jobs, and I need to be able to run an organization. And so it has to be a, some balance between strategy, business management, and the technical component. Because arguably, we are a technical product, but we're in the context of a political world, yes. of a very social world. We have four million Angelinos, and we That's need right. to have a very good understanding of who our customers are. Um, and I think uniquely, my role has to play that. Um, and I think I think it's been successful, but you know, time will tell. What are the things you're most proud of in the last you know several years? I know you you guys won a lot of awards. You win a lot of awards. Sure. You're invited to speak all over the world. I want to talk about that as well. But what are the things that you're most proud of? And I'd like to also hear about a couple of things that maybe didn't work or failed. So, you know, the G Suite platform in and of itself, I think, is, has been radical for the city of Los Angeles. And we've been on the platform for quite some time, and we've learned to grow and experience the growth. The fact that I can take a city employee and they show up to work the most personal thing for the average you know, white collar employee mm -hmm. is they sit at a desk, yeah. they have a computer, they have maybe a phone or something like that. That is the most personal space to them. The collaboration tools that we can provide are something that they are hour by hour utilizing. Yeah. So the ability of G Suite to be above and beyond a word processor or a spreadsheet or these very static consistent tools which transform the workspace. Mm -hmm. But to make it so that you can collaborate on that spreadsheet, to connect it to other items, to allow an employee to not just do typical you know, desktop publishing and word processing, but to be able to create a site, to create mm -hmm. a form, to do something that used to require developers and my team to provide, we've greatly empowered that employee. And to do that across 20, 30,000 employees so that they're creating websites without even having to contact my staff, that they're doing all sorts of effort that they're having hangouts, that they're doing all these types of efforts that they're not driving 20 to 30 miles to hold a meeting, and that they can do. That impact on productivity is huge yes. for us, the city of Los And the fact that it comes out of the box with G Suite, and I don't have to figure out what always to turn on mm -hmm. and what always configure, has been extremely important. I think some of the consumer-focused solutions have been really important, too. So I think you might remember our discussion around Google Maps. Mm -hmm. So imagine this, I get a phone call from the mayor who's saying, listen, we're at the point where we have a multi-alarm fire, so multiple stations are involved. I remember that. We've got them occurring in multiple locations at the city of LA, and we have it occurring in the November, December timeframe, which in LA is not when you expect fire season right. to be. And what is a way for us to, within hours, notify and digitally engage four plus million Angelinos and to notify them that 50,000 or so may be subject to having to leave their homes. Right. And as soon as it was asked, I knew the immediate answer, it was a Google crisis map. Mm -hmm. Something that so simply, it's a tool and a product that everyone's familiar with, 
that can show you where you are mm -hmm. off your phone. It's highly mobile. You don't have to mm -hmm. go to run to a desktop right. to do it. Show you where you are. Show you where the boundaries of the evacuation are. And then also show you that if you have to evacuate, so you don't have to ask a question. You don't have to figure out how to read a map. You could just say, I'm in the zone or I'm mm -hmm. out of the zone. Mm -hmm. And then to show you where you can go for an evacuation center, where you can go for a cooling center, where you can take an animal for an animal evacuation center, and then launch Google's turn-by-turn -turn navigation to take you there. It is a very simple set of layers mm -hmm. that are extremely effective. So effective, we had three and a half million views in the first 36 hours. Wow. And in government, you don't get that kind of traffic. Right. Right? That's right, true. You don't. Yeah. And so it's leveraging those items, but it, and it takes a certain amount of, of work in the background to make sure that you're ready to go and have your platform ready to do, any break in case of emergency. But those very simple concepts of preparing people for El Nino and for storms mm -hmm. and for utilizing evacuations and for crisis mapping, um, these are just a couple of items I think are, I'm very impressed and very excited by because when you get three and a half million people to view anything in 36 hours, either you're Kim Kardashian, <laughs> either you're Kanye West, uh, but in this case, the city of Los Angeles became Kim Kardashian yeah, with the kinds of traffic. Right. And, and that's who we want to be, provide really good content that's really consumable. Co consumer apps have set a standard around ease of use and engagement. Yes, they are. And use, you know, it's just, not government as usual, is it? Yeah, and so the fact that you're applying like consumer app type numbers, that you're getting those kind of yes. uh, engagement numbers is, is That's right. Is, it is could have been promising. Fortnite for all, for all we're discussing. Yeah, yeah seriously. But, but instead it was, and that's how government needs to be. Yeah. That is government 2.0. It's government that engages at the level of an Amazon, a Google, and others. That's and right. I think that's important. I, I, I love those sort of stories because, again, even in our um, relationship with our, with our with our clients, customers, multi-year relationships, hopefully forever relationships. What we like about um, leading with the Google stack is that I think the whole emphasis around this technology is to actually enable our customers mm -hmm. as much as possible, as quickly as possible, to be self-sufficient in some of these things. Yes. Like yes, of course, it requires engineering and delivery and services and maybe managed services. You know, we need to do stuff to get our customers started. But um, what's great about, I think, this model and cloud and consumption economics is, and you mentioned outsourcing in the past, like I don't think outsourcing is the answer for most of our clients. The right. idea is not for us or somebody else to come in and just run everything for you and you lose all the core competencies that are uniquely differentiated and differentiating sure. about what your vision is. Yes. It's not like some you know GSI or like IBM like oh just run them run my IT strategy right no it's, it's been the quandary of technology for maybe the last 20 years or so yeah like I remember with these big ERP systems they always had the debate is a big enterprise resource planning system like an Oracle and SAP is it owned by the technical group or is it owned by the business the yeah. functional group yeah. and everyone loved to argue it mm -hmm. and so obviously the technical folks understand systems and configuration but the business folks understand the operations and ultimately what the software is trying to deliver. Mm. And the answer, the real answer is always both. Yeah. And when we discuss the democratization of technology, it's not the IT department's job to just create a set of technology that it just runs. And it's not an outsourcer's job to then take hand of all the technology and run it themselves. Mm -hmm. Technology is truly ubiquitous, which means yeah. I believe you have to have, you know, staff 
who have an understanding of it. Mm -hmm. You have to leverage our, th our vendors mm -hmm. where they're best to handle it. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a team effort. And I think like any complicated question, the answer becomes somewhat complicated, which means good IT shops know how to navigate it. That's right. They know how to leverage their vendor partners mm -hmm. where they're best leveraged. They know how to leverage cloud. Mm -hmm. But they also know when it's appropriate for something to be on-prem. And they of understand course. when it's appropriate to have something understood in-house and, and to be able to maintain it. And when we discuss a very broad portfolio from cybersecurity to office collaboration tools to data center to network, you kind of sometimes have slightly different answers depending on where you are and who you are as an organization. It's very risky to outsource things that are strategic. Yes. Regardless of what type of organization you are, I think it's sort of a downward spiral after that. Some folks find it easy because they just say, hey, let's just beat up on this vendor. Yeah, I can just blame them. That's right. I could just blame them. Yeah. But, but it, this, this isn't about easy. Yeah. And I think people who truly enjoy technology know it's not about easy. Mm -hmm. It's about delivering something that anywhere from one year to five years from now will have to be replaced. That's right. No, that's, I love that. Um, so from, from other award-winning initiatives, I want to talk about some of the other mobile apps and things you guys have launched um, that, that you're super proud of. Can we talk ShakeAlert? Yeah. Okay, ShakeAlert's a really, really good one. So, you know, sometimes government is seen, well, sometimes technology and government is seen as, hey, Ted, go ahead and make government more efficient. And while for us government wonks, that's really cool that we're able to improve efficiency 30% or reduce cost 50%, mm -hmm. that's cool. But something that really gets out there and touches the public in a way that's never been done before, I think is what I'm very, very proud of. Mm -hmm. And I think ShakeAlert LA is a great idea, a great example of it. The city of Los Angeles has invested millions of dollars. So under the leadership of, of, of Mayor Eric Garcetti, we've made these great investments in sensors. Mm -hmm. And these are various sensors deployed across the county, really Southern California. And what it does is it gives great intelligence to Caltech, to US mm -hmm. Geological Survey, to USGS, so that they'll understand the magnitude of an earthquake. Mm -hmm. They understand all these great details because when you think California, you think earthquake country, right? Yeah. We've very recently experienced this too with Ridgecrest. But we asked the question, said, well, that's a very good model for the 1990s. Mm -hmm. But here in the year 2019 now, we have not only sensor data, we have high-speed networks where we can take that and we can transmit it to people without having to create a, an old-fashioned siren or to have a monitor. We can transmit it to smartphones and all these other smart cars and smart mm -hmm. appliances, et cetera. So we asked ourselves the question, says, well, what's the latency? What does it take? And on average, in just over one second, we can know an earthquake is coming wow. because we've sensed the shaking remotely mm -hmm. and notify an Angelino that the shaking is on its way. And depending where the earthquake starts and where you are, tens of seconds, 30 seconds, as much as 60 seconds of warning. Not bad. Because we can move the notification at the speed of light, but the shaking moves at the speed of sound. sound. Yes. Yeah. And so we can't predict an earthquake, but we can tell you one's coming. And not only can you do it to be able to duck cover and hold to get under a table and to grab on, mm -hmm. et cetera, but we could also do it to tell an elevator to let people out the next floor. Mm -hmm. So they're not stuck in an elevator right. and require the fire department to get them. Right. We can cause fire stations so that their doors open up so they don't get fire trucks stuck in a fire station during when they're most needed. We can notify LAX operations so that flights don't take off. We can notify mm -hmm. surgeons to put the scalpel down and stop surgery. Yes. So 
we can have manufacturers stop very expensive assembly lines. So there's so many things you can do with just tens of seconds of warning. Yeah. And we've done it. We've launched this app. It was launched earlier this year. And at RidgeQuest, the app was working perfectly. Mm -hmm. There was always this question. This is kind of that, the downside yeah. to it. When we had these RidgeQuest earthquakes, by the time it entered LA County, it was less than 4.5. Our threshold is 4.5. So mm. we didn't alert LA folks in right. LA. Because the US Geological Service said it's not big enough. Yeah. But it becomes a, a PR issue. Right. Wait, is my app working? Right. Right? Yeah. And so like lessons learned in hindsight, probably a great idea is to push a notification that just says, we felt it. Right. You know, the app knows. Right. We got it. Yeah. But it didn't exceed the threshold, so we didn't warn you. And so these are some of those things that are the, the, the other side of technology. Well, you don't get to test it in reality very often because you got to wait for an earthquake. <laughs> Correct. But, but all of the transmissions worked. We knew it. Yeah. We saw it. We had tens of seconds of advanced warning, but we didn't push it out on the app. That app has over 900,000 downloads. Uh, it's on my phone. That's amazing. 900,000 downloads for a city app. Yes. That's unbelievable. A government app. Unbelievable. That's right. Any government app. Once again, not government as usual. Yeah. But when you do something that's compelling, like when you say that we are delivering a digital service um, that is going to notify you of an upcoming, of, a, of an impending earthquake, and after the fact, so yes, that's the main kind of sexy component to it, but we'll also help you with earthquake preparedness. You can make sure that you've got water, food, medicine, et cetera, you've prepared in advance. And after an earthquake, we'll notify you and show you where the evacuation shelters are, where you could get help. Yeah. I mean, so... Yeah, and this is where government should be. So let's use this project as an, as an example. And, sure. and I want to talk about this project, but anything that's similar that I, is big, ambitious, has a lot of stakeholders, never been done, never been done before, like that combination. Yeah. Because I think what um, I'm most proud of in our city and what I get excited about when I, every time I speak with you is like how many of these types of things you're actually able to push out the door. Yeah. And I see, uh, and, I, and I know that this is more complicated than a large private sector enterprise, but I've seen you know, leaders and our clients and other places that are either you know, evaluating these things or thinking, they just get stuck. Yes. They can never get it off the ground. There's a lot of inertia. And let alone get off the ground and then actually complete it and push it out. Yes. So what are the lessons that, you know, for, for our audience for other leaders who are listening to this, like how do you do it? Maybe using this project as an example, but it just sure. in general, how do you navigate the complexity, the moving priorities, budgets, like the whole thing? Because yes. I think there's, there's only a handful of people I know like Ted Ross that are able to Thank get you. these things done over and over and over again. That's right, yeah. That one lucky at bat where you hit the grand slam and you run the bases, but if you can consistently put up yes. home runs off different pitchers and yes. in different ballparks, then that does say something. You've also been a CIO for a long time at the city. Like the average, I think, commercial CIO is like a three-year tenure. They turn over fast. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so you're doing something right. Doing something right. Your lips to God's ears. Um, so. I think a, a couple of aspects. First of all, there's a very well-known statement, or, you know, a famous saying on strategy, and it says that part of good strategy is knowing what not to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes sure. people will create a strategic plan at the list of 100 things, which is really just sounds like a list of to-dos. Mm -hmm. um, good strategy, and I'm a big fan of Richard Rummelt and, and Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, I think it's a fantastic book, but having a good core understanding of 
your organization, a good fundamental understanding of some of those few key pieces and what it takes to pivot and make the adjustment to dramatically improve. Because yeah. every organization has a short, relatively short list of items that if you could do them are truly transformative. Mm -hmm. It could be implementing sure. a new technology. Yeah. It could be re-engineering a process. So there's some things that everything hinges on that. And I think a good strategy just identifies what that is. We discussed before that we've got internal customers like mm -hmm. our employees. We have got external customers like residents. We've got folks like businesses and visitors. And so it's important to us to have a portfolio in each of those areas. Mm -hmm. And when we discuss the idea of the public, arguably one of the most important, the people who pay their taxes, the residents of the city, um, we are always looking for opportunities. And when we saw that, that business opportunity where we already had sensor information, mm -hmm. that we could work to take a feed, that we could partner with people like Caltech and US Geological Survey, the smartest of the smart seismic engineers. Right here. That's right. Yeah. And that we could figure out a way to safely and reliably take what a sensor hears and then transmit it to a smartphone at first, but then move it into the smart car and the elevator and all these other aspects. The technology was there. So whose idea was this? <laughs> I think multiple elected officials have described it as a concept, but the idea to the idea to interconnect the sensor to the smartphone, mm -hmm. and, I know, uh, and I'm sure others had it at the same time, mm -hmm. but it was my idea. Because- You're so humble, I had to really pull this out of I you. Know. I know, because I, I wouldn't <laughs> go around bragging that. And I, and I know because I, I set up the first meetings. Yes. I, I called the groups yes. together. Yeah. And I think the idea, because folks like Tokyo have done things where they mm -hmm. do it to a siren. Mm -hmm. So they put strategically all these sirens, they'll start whirling away when a tidal wave or something's coming. So th that's an old idea, Mexico City, Tokyo, and yeah. others. But to do it in a way where we could do it off the smartphone and do it in a way that is so inexpensive. And I say that because sirens is a very expensive infrastructure investment, of course, yeah. right? And so the things that Mexico City does, a very expensive infrastructure investment. Well, the infrastructure was arguably there. Now we just need to tap into very fast cellular networks. So here's, and deploy it to smartphones. Here's why I asked you that. Sure. Not, not just to give you an opportunity to brag. I didn't even know it was your idea. Sure. But the fact that it was your idea yes. actually makes the story more compelling. Sure. Because implementing, first of all, people have tons of ideas. Yes. Let's get that out of it. The, There's a lot of ideas. A lot of ideas. Good ideas all over the place. But arguably, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, yes. the idea from the mayor yes. would probably be easier to get done than your own idea. Yes. Correct? That's right. Like a CEO. Chairman of the board wants to do something. Organization is probably going to be able to push it through one way or another. Sure. But the fact that you've made you know, your own kind of concept come to fruition, I think there's actually a lot more lessons in this with regards to management and diplomacy yes. and things of that nature. And it's a good point because very early on, you do a quick run through with the right types of experts to say, is this just a pipe dream or can this idea really take hold? Mm -hmm. What is the latency to go from a sensor to my smartphone? Well, like I said, it's just over around a second. Yeah. Knowing that you've got tens of seconds, I didn't even understand that early on. I thought maybe if I can give 10 to 15 seconds, we'd be awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that a earthquake on the San Andreas fault line could give you up to 60 seconds, six zero of warning yeah. if you live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, so these are things that shook out. But I've got to give a lot of credit to the mayor's office when you start to push this idea and say, listen, here's some opportunities in the pipeline they very quickly knew what to double down on. Mm. And so yes. the mayor could take it and say, that's the direction that we want to go. 
So, so go ahead and pursue it. And the mayor is such a boss, he calls it out and says in a State of the City address, mm -hmm. by the end of this year, you know, by the end of 2018, you will have this app while we're still sitting there and looking at each other saying like, <laughs> we've got a lot of work to yeah. do to make this happen. Yeah, um, you're like, he probably assessed our entire bench capacity <laughs> and then put, you know, did the calculus. No, on, he, no did, he didn't do any of that. Because he knew this was such a game changer. <laughs> right. And, and that he knew that we could give an assurance that this could technically be done. This was a feasible ask. Yes. Um, and so then we had to very quickly work to combine multiple stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So we had to bring in a really good vendor partner in AT&T mm -hmm. who understood not only app development and mobile, but understood the cellular networks. Of course. We had to be able to bring in the US Geological Survey and the federal government, mind you. Now we're bringing the federal government. And another an entire bureaucracy. Yes. Right? Yes. Because if you ask a seismic engineer and say, when are we ready to notify Angelinos like this? They'll say, we're still decades away. We still have to figure out the right message. Yeah. We still want to make right. sure that we have tri uh, triple redundancy. They'll approach it like an engineer, That's which right. is good. Yes. But you want to be able to get the strengths of the engineer, but mitigate the weaknesses. The strengths of a politician who understands their constituencies, but mitigate the weaknesses. They may not be the most technical people. And, and then be able to bring in the horsepower where my team comes in. And it was great the mayor's office got funding through Annenberg, who saw this vision. Amazing. And they would go ahead and invest in it. So it's really an entire group, and you're right. It's, it wasn't as much a technology project. There was certainly technical components. It was a project around bringing multiple governments, mm -hmm. bringing in multiple groups together, and trying to deliver something that would be completely awesome yes. for Angelinos. And we are indeed the first in the nation, and honestly the first in the world to deliver this type of app, where you go from sensor to smartphone, That's amazing. And, and to do it for such minimal cost, because this is not expensive technology. You didn't over-engineer it. You didn't over-engineer it. That's right. You, it would have taken years to, if we did it, and it would have been a multi-million dollar investment. This was not. Here's the thing. The technology's there now. Like, say what you will about public cloud, and not everything's ready for public cloud, and, and mm -hmm. you know, who, who's, who's number one, who's number three? Show sure. all that out. Yep. What's true is that Amazon, Microsoft, Google, etc., others uh, have democratized these things yes. such that anybody can. The technology itself is no longer the barrier. That's right. That is not the reason someone can't do something. That's right. It's actually all these other things. That's right. So I think a lot of leaders who've led from within technology and have yes. had the technology traditionally a provide an excuse to say no, mm -hmm. but b be the one thing they've learned to navigate. Yes. Oh, I'm really good at the architecture. No, like, forget that. That's right. You actually don't know how to navigate the rest. That's right. And <laughs> you've got to do it from start to finish. Yeah. Right? Like, it's the any, rest. That's at the... any point in that process, you're, you're, what you're cooking has failed. Yes. Right? You can't triple the flour. That cake's not going to bake. You can't, you know, not turn on the oven. Like, there's a large number of steps to make yeah. it to happen. But honestly, that's why they call it going to work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you hit the nail on the head. We're in an era where it's not so much an innovative new product, but it's the combination of existing products. Mm. And notice yeah. the narrative of ShakeAlert LA. Mm -hmm. Sensor technology. Exists. Cellular network. Exists. Smartphones. Exists. Right? It runs yeah. some servers and, and be able to apply some geofencing and apply some algorithm around mm -hmm. it. And, then, and this is all stuff that has existed. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, some of our biggest achievements are the recombination of existing components 
in very dramatic. The Google Maps conversation. Google mm -hmm. Maps existed before our crisis, mm -hmm. but our ability to be able to take Google Map platform, put the right layers, and communicate it broadly through social media to the public, that meant three and a half million views in 36 hours. And then with cloud, I mean, you don't have to worry about what happens if four million people get on. Yes. And that's what I'm talking and about. And that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Very quickly, <laughs> everyone started consuming yeah. it, and Google had to go ahead and allocate additional provision, additional yeah. to be able to handle it, but Google can do it at internet scale. Yeah. My data center cannot. It's, fin it's fantastic. I mean, the technology, you can, you can do massively ambitious things on the technology for like yes. pay by the minute and just test and evaluate and architect. The technology is not the barrier. I think the, the technical and other business leaders of tomorrow are the ones who have the high degree of EQ, savvy, patience um, to, 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 to launch technology initiatives because yes. the technology is not the hardest part anymore. So let me answer it, item if you don't mind. If you were to ask me, because every year we have to provide new priorities for the mayor. Mm -hmm. Mayor's tough, right? Mm -hmm. Every year you interview for your job, new set of strategic right. priorities. At the top of my strategic priorities for this upcoming fiscal year, so July through June, which we're just starting now, at the top of that list are two key items. Number one, digital transformation and data transformation training for city employees. Because mm -hmm. you're right. The pieces of the puzzle are sitting out there on the table, but we need smart IT professionals, smart business leaders to start to put them together. That's right. Right? So digital transformation training and data transformation training is teaching our employees to be smarter when it comes to how to use tech. Mm -hmm. We're actually targeting, you know, over a thousand employees for in-person training because of how important this conversation is. It's gotten to the point where my department in too many areas is outpacing my customer. Mm. And I don't want to outpace my customer. That's I need right. my customer to be there with me, yep. to re-engineer a process, to make some adjustments, and to really partake in transformation. The second aspect is a digital code of ethics. And so we'd be the first city that we're drafting this mm. because as we start to leverage more emerging technologies, you know, the more we digitize, the more we open up to things like Data privacy That's and right. data breach is a That's conversation. Right. If we're a highly analog organization, data breach isn't even a conversation. Yeah. So there's so much powerful stuff to be done through digital, through the realm of digital, that we have to have a code of ethics. When can I use facial recognition? When should I not use it? What are my responsibilities for automation and impacting a workforce? We are getting into that expression that they call tech lash, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Where people are starting to be very nervous. Five years ago, everyone would seem very, very optimistic regarding technology. Now, you even see it in popular media. People have gotten very nervous. That's right. What about my job? What about my data? Yeah, what's uh, MLAI going to do to my job? What's automation going to do to my that job? That is right. Yes. And, 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 and so we are at the city of Los Angeles working aggressively to establish our code of ethics, our guidelines mm -hmm. for all department technology. And what is that bill of rights with our constituents that they know they can hold us to? Because you know we're not going ahead and having you download the ShakeAlert LA app to then start monitoring your location. We don't yes. do that. That's right. But we want you to understand as residents, as you as a resident, what our commitments are in those areas and what our guiding principles are. Because technology is yeah. to empower and enable the human. It's not to yeah. detract from. No, I think that's where you know, the consumer tech has, I think, violated some trust. Um, and you know, public sector can't afford to do that. No. Like, it's a different set of standards almost. And I'm it glad is. you guys are taking the initiative to actually document and subscribe to those things that clearly understood what your applications. Yes. Uh, the more engagement, the more opportunity, 
to uh, either gain trust or um, lose, lose your user's trust. And I'm glad that's top of mind because I think those are the few key things that are barriers to additional innovation. Yes. As people are just scared of using stuff. We're going to react. We're going yeah. to have a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. That's it. Get rid of all those mobile apps. Yeah. Right? right. Well, what about mobile apps that allow you to su submit graffiti and get it cleaned up or yeah. get a pothole fixed? Yeah. This, this is good technology. Very good. But it has to be handled right. It has to be handled responsibly. That's fantastic. I, I love I love the leadership. I love the perspective. Uh, I love the stories. I've learned some things uh, that we we've never even talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I want to visit is. Um, is your experience in other cities, other major cities sure. around the world? Because of what you do, you get invited to these things, and you go and I do. When I when I not when on I'm, taxpayer money, mind you. That's right. I, no taxpayer money involved. We're just it's super paid savvy. for by the the city that's 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 inviting me. So I visit the city should. of Seoul, for example, Seoul, Korea, and they paid the airfare, so the Angelinos are not paying for that. Wonderful, and that's how it should be, frankly, because yep. they're the ones benefiting from this experience. And I know you're not the you're not doing this for the. PR, you're doing it because you're going to learn from them. That's and right. by the way, you're you're a global citizen. That's right. To the extent that City of LA can teach other fantastic cities what we do and is bi-directional learning experience. Yeah. I know that's what you subscribe to. I agree. To. It's, it's the benefits of working in government. Yeah. Is that you know most of what I do is not confidential. No. Someone could write a letter yeah. and they get access to information. Yeah. What I do is on the city dime, which means my work product is owned by the city. It's public. It's public. And also, you're not. A competitor with Seoul. No. So you can share. They have their city. We have our city. <laughs> Actually, there's a great relationship between you know That's right. Korea and City We're of LA. We are never going to take over the city of Seoul. Like we, they have their city. We have a fantastic <laughs> K Town, and there's a lot of investment. That's coming right. Into I happen it. to live in K Town. Yeah. I know it well. There you go. Yeah. Um, but can you tell me about some of those lessons learned, or or not lessons learned? Just just like completely different perspectives that are sure. either Ted Ross perspectives or cultural perspectives. Yeah. Like, what do you see that they're doing? I'm not going to rehash the same story, but like, just take it wherever you, wherever you where, where, what's the most memorable kind of experiences and exchanges you've had around the world? Oh boy, there's some really interesting ones. Yeah. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, there's this broad umbrella of expression that people use called smart city. Yes. Right? And, you know, the reality is technology has been used in cities for 100 years, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the first traffic signal mm -hmm. was innovative, mm -hmm. right? Full-time fire department with had their own trucks, that was innovative. Mm -hmm. And then you fast forward to today, I think what really makes Smart City a conversation now is the amount of technology available, so yes. readily available yeah. as we discussed, that it makes a complete, if done right, a completely transformational experience that not just impacts a business and how it runs, but a city and how people live. That's right. And that is, I think, really what underpins Smart City. So it's really interesting to see how different people define it. Mm -hmm. So when I visit the city of Paris, they take smart city and they really package it around sustainability and environmentalism. So for them, their smart city initiatives are around noise quality, air quality, pollution, having a sustainable city so that the Paris can be the same Paris or a better Paris for decades or hundreds of years to come. You know, when you visit an Amsterdam, it's about engagement. Mm. It's about a city that leverages technology to really engage its constituency so that people are digitally interacting with their government. So when you visit the city of Seoul, there's a lot of infrastructure. 
you know, it's a 5G city. It's、mm-hmm. a city that is focused on connectivity, but it's also having pain points in other key areas. So often in a city, a city like Seoul or in Korea, I was in multiple conversations where it was very important for them to implement from the top down, mind you. So、mm-hmm. at a federal level down,、mm. that's something that we're not used to in, in the United、that's、States.、Right. A federal level, a prime minister and, and the cabinet is pushing smart city down. And they are asking people to implement all these different technologies that quite often the use isn't fully even understood、right. or the benefit、right. even recognized. So I'll remember, for example,、um, the mayor of Seoul has access to all these cameras and all this technology, so that if there's a fire, like an apartment、yeah. fire, this, the mayor of Seoul can turn on in the mayor's office and can have all this very sensitive viewpoints and camera angles that the fire department would have.、Right. But it begs that fundamental question: Why the mayor would be trying to allocate and move fire resources、right. around a fire、right. when the fire chief should be the one who should be doing that, or a fire captain should be doing that? I remember visiting another city in which they were discussing the importance of public safety, which we'd all appreciate, and the installation of poles with cameras, and you could push a button and you can talk to your nine one one equivalent. Yeah. When pressed, they admitted that that feature for the last few years has been almost underused, like not used、Never、at all. Used,、yeah. And if so, why is it a benefit to run to a pole to push a button than to simply use your phone to make a call from wherever you are? Yeah. But it's it gets pegged as a smart city technology, so people are spending millions, if not billions, of dollars around the world, in investing in infrastructure and tools and solutions that maybe not. Really solve any real problem? Yeah, it's like they've forgotten the use case question, user experience question. That's like, right. Start with the user and build、That's、up. Right. right? No, That's right. Don't do things just because you can. Just because you can. <laughs> There's a long list of what we can do,、right. but it's a much shorter list of what we should do. And I think quite often what we see with smart city and something that the city of Los Angeles considers to be extremely important, I would say, is something that we work very aggressively to try to do well. Is to start with fundamentally the problem or the improvement we're trying to deliver,、mm-hmm. and then work from there. We'll be agnostic on the technology. We'll be agnostic as to even who has the responsibility, because ultimately we talk about Zappos and Amazon and Google and、That's、others、right. because they have a great customer journey,、mm-hmm. and a city has to think about customer journeys. It has to think about the person who wakes up and is trying to get to a job.、Mm-hmm. So how do, so how should mobility support them?、Precisely. Or the person who's trying to create a business and they don't really care how many departments are involved. That's right. They just want to be able to get the necessary requirements to start and run their business. And so those are the customer journeys that we have to be thinking of and leveraging technology to do that. And that we would say at the city of Los Angeles makes you a smart city. On that note, I think that's extremely valuable wisdom for. Any enterprise, public sector or otherwise, start with the customer. Obsess over customer experience. In your case, that's right. Your customers different than a typical enterprise,、uh, but not different than any public sector、uh, organization who's trying to do the same thing. And I really appreciate that refreshing view, and I think our audience will enjoy learning about that as well. I enjoy talking about it. I know you do. Okay. I know you're passionate. That's why I love doing this with you because it's <laughs> well, so authentic. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for having this conversation. You know, government is not. You know, when you start to think innovation, government isn't the first thing that leaps to mind. But there are innovative government agencies who are really moving the needle when it comes to the services they offer. And we're not big PR machines, so we're not going to spend our time and energy trying to pat、yeah. our backs or beat our own drums. We don't advertise all these things. 
uh, we like to spend citizen money on things that we think are extremely important to the mission. Well, I think we have a role in telling these stories to everyone's benefit because there's all these CIOs of all these organizations across the country, U.S., Canada, so where we, we do our work, who all want to do these kind of things for the right reasons. Their intentions are in the right place. Um, and I think it's only through listening and hearing the war stories and the experiences of, of people like you who've been doing it for so many years. Um, I hope that it inspires them to do the same. The time has never been better to do it. Yeah. You know, technology has, as you mentioned before, it has democratized, mm -hmm. and cloud has provided tremendous tools that were unforeseen mm -hmm. in the past, and they put it at our fingertips. If simply technology leaders could understand their customer, understand the tools, and, and connect them together. Wonderful. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Good talking. Likewise. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. 